Welcome to the Takashi Miike Month Recap number 5. I'm your host as always, Elwood Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Live alive, victory. Exactly. You've done it. You've got to the if end. If we were not under our current lockdown rules, we would be cruising the streets of Portsmouth in the golf cart, with myself <laughs> in one hand brandishing a Starbucks mug of Baileys and the other a Yule Log. As we blast out our entrance music, because tonight you may have noticed that we've changed out the Nutley Brass, who've obviously been providing the opening for uh, these recaps with Motorhead's Line in the Sand, aka the entrance music for Evolution. That's a wrestling thing, Stephen. Yeah. I was the I was, I was, I was I went to university in Portsmouth. Yeah. I imagine you going up the Guild Hall to the to the Rocky theme. <laughs> Rocky, I got well, going up uh, yeah, Guild Hall. <laughs> no, no, this <laughs> we said on the first one. It's all like everyone does the Rocky thing, and that's why we opened the first recap with Slayer, and then we obviously <laughs> uh, went into the Nutley Bass era. And, uh, you know, tonight I thought we're in such a celebratory mood. What is the band you celebrate with? It's Motorhead, the greatest band of all time. I'm not even biting. No? Lenny R.I.P. Lenny was a great man. Lemmy, Lemmy R.I.P. Who also had his (laughs) mail delivered to the Rainbow Room. (laughs) It's Dave Gross' eulogy. It's sort of like... You know that uh, there's been times when I've been drinking with Lemmy, and there's been times I've been drinking with Lemmy, and he's had his mail delivered at the same time. <laughs> there's a really great documentary on uh, on Lemmy as well, which I recommend you all check out, even if you're not specifically Motorhead fans, which, you know, shame on you. but um, And it just shows what an awesome, awesome person he was. And yet... Terry Funk is uh, probably set to outlive us all. As I found out today that Terry Funk had his first retirement from wrestling the same year that McFoley had his first match, back in about 1975. Which means Terry Funk's had more retirements than Tina Turner's had farewell tours. Are you using all your material tonight? What's that, sorry? <laughs> you can use all your I'm material. Using all my time. I'm just, you know... <laughs> just, as very I said, good. it's... We're in a very good place because, as I said, we've watched over the last 30 days, we've watched 30 Takashi Miike movies. Um, There's been some highs, there's been some lows, there's been some wonderful first-time watches. And tonight we're going to pick things up where we left off last time, which was with Yataman at pick 24. And we kicked off this final week with probably one of the most darkest black comedies I've ever seen. I think you're going to say visitor. How did you know? <laughs> because uh, a, I may have been watching your feed on social media, but secondly, <laughs> who hasn't? That is the way. That is the only way to describe that film. <laughs> yes, um, this one's a, a real classic from the outlaw era for uh, Mike. As uh, I mean, it's shot first of all with the sort of warped world lens that's normally reserved for John Waters movies for a start it opens with the lines have you ever done your dad 
in which the father of the household is shown having sex with his daughter who's a prostitute before we cut to the card have you ever done it with your mum and the mum is being beaten both a rug beater by her son at the same time she uses her downtime to also serve as a dominatrix prostitute and shoot up heroin and into their lives we have the Mary Poppins figure, figure of the visitor or as we'll call him now Q um I'm sure there's like film scholars out there who are obviously going to say, oh no, this is like Pierre Piallo's uh, Pacini's Terroroma. And you can even say like, this is very comparable to the French film sitcom in which the father brings home the mouse and suddenly everyone's personalities change and they all go weird. But I don't think I was expecting to enjoy this at all because this is one that's like constantly makes it on the effed up movies list. And yet, perhaps my mind has been warped by, like, 25-odd Mickey movies or something at this point. But I really enjoyed the hell out of this one. I, I really like it as well. It, uh, um, fun fact, now you know this fun fact already. First film I ever rented a DVD from lovefilm.com, which no longer exists and is now Amazon yeah. Prime. So uh, that's where I started with my DVD rental, online, online film rentals with Visitor Q. Um, there must have been the tartan version I'm guessing yeah this would have been um, the tartan one because originally it was released with the small titles and then when everyone yes. dawned on what was on the cover they put the big Q on the cover actually I think you're right I don't think it was the tartan one I had anyway, it would have been anyway, the tartan, I, they're I, the ones I, I don't out. know because they just they, they just used to send discs yeah. out and sometimes they used to send the wrong disc like you know like it was a two DVD set oh that's annoying and wasn't it, it? The, they said the second they were shit love love film <laughs> but um, yeah well that didn't last long did it blockbuster had a lot much better run than that but um yeah no it's um when we talk about weird Mikey films to be fair quite often he plays it quite straight with a little bit of oddness yeah. in there there may be a scene or two even audition yeah plays it fairly bloody straight apart from a couple of weird moments um i'm just trying to think is she the killer maybe some some of his sort of translation stuff you know you know cover version stuff he's done yeah fine that that's in the source material happiness of the catacuries of course is you know madder than a box of frogs but nothing is in the same league as visitor q and and you're right it comes from this literary and filmic tradition of you know, a stranger coming into a, a family unit and, and, and his personality shining a light on them, usually negatively. But this bunch, hmm. I mean, they were they, they, they were gone before he got there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a film that has necrophilia, drug taking, lactation, bullying, a microphone being shoved in a rather uncomfortable position, bullying, and... Um, a number of many other things. I believe there's cannibalism in this as well, or at least implied cannibalism. And yet, yeah. by the end of this film, this very um, disjointed group of very messed up individuals have somehow found a piece together, thanks to the Mary Poppins figure of Q. Yes, I, I know your theory about Q is Mary Poppins. And you're, and you're probably I'm just right. saying, Mary Poppins <laughs> enters into a dysfunctional family, leaves the families at at peace with one another. 
queue and it just turns up in this guy's house and um you know by the end they find a piece for each other and there's a really great scene where the kids who are bullying his son start shooting fireworks at the house and he's uh, filming it going oh my god they're shooting fireworks at my house this guy just <laughs> decided to stay with us and the wife and Kira just sat there eating noodles while all this chaos is erupting around them. And it's just so randomly funny. And I cannot explain why. Because there's many elements in this which I should be repulsed by, as we obviously see with other films in this filmography. But yet, when presented in this bizarre warped lens that he uses for Mr. Q, it's strangely entertaining. And it's very hard to explain why, much less watch with anyone else. Yeah, it's not one for the family. Um, but what I will say is, it's um, it's almost. I mean, we've talked before about pink movies and 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 even Japanese porn. These are all things that seem to run through some of the. Do you remember the abnormal family film that I talked about, which is a porn version of an Ozu film? Um, yeah, the, the these 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 familial relationships where the daughter is a prostitute and the father is the, the son is shagging them also no, it's all very greek isn't it it's all yeah. very oedipal and electra and it's all based in these sort of quite dark um what's the fella called that wasn't freud there's archetypes like young young youngian you know it's all very from from those kind of psychological places and to me this is me because Mike you know, interestingly didn't come up through the pink scene um he came through vcd he's um very or was it vcd or yeah v cinema v cinema yeah no it's a little bit different so more like sort of straight to video but not quite um and he's like one of the first directors to come through that in, in Japan, through that, whatever. a lot of the others came up through either the studio system or through Pink Cinema. When he sort of came, he came in a new way. Um, you know, he had his he had his mentors and people helping him along the way. And and yeah, this this Visitor Q just just pulls on all these weird, dark, archetypal, psychosexual things that you will find in 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 both classical Greek literature and. <laughs> And sort of Japanese porn cinema. <laughs> it's a great film. It's a great film. And I'm glad you liked it. Although, I think two weeks ago it might have been too much for you. <laughs> Hard to say. It was um, one of the big surprises of this month, I have to say. Because I thought this was going to be like one of the rough ones to to get through. But mm. um, no, this was, this was actually um, really enjoyable. And I had... A great conversation with Rudy on the Twitter feed, and um, he was saying that he that this was like one of those films that he remembers renting. And I was like, you know, all these like kids like going to Blockbuster, like looking for like edgy horror flicks and stuff, and then he would just coast straight past like the foreign film section, which is like got some of the really heavy stuff in. And it's like if they just put their like fear of subtitles aside that they could have rented Visitor Q and then just been like the kill kid on the playground is like oh I've seen something you you heard about that Visitor Q <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you you haven't seen anything yet yeah. yeah no good film good film um, and definitely worthy of your of your month 
Um, next up, we wrapped up the Dead or Alive trilogy with Dead or Alive Final, which for the longest time was a rip, was like near impossible to get hold of because Tartan was supposed to put it out because they did Dead or Alive 1 and Dead or Alive 2, and then they advertised they were doing Final, and it just never happened for whatever reason. But um, yes, the uh, warring duo meet in the futuristic take uh, involving cyborgs and culminating in the two turning into the testicles of a giant penis robot. <laughs> I haven't seen this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, but you know. <laughs> that's that's the climax because of course Mickey never can uh, decide which of his his leading men are sort of like, you know, the stars so if he has them face off against each other, he this is his way of finding a draw because I mean obviously in this one he's got uh, Shao Ikawa and Riki Takeuchi. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's as I said, it's a weird blend of post-apocalyptic Blade Runner sort of cyborg-esque uh, nonsense. It's surprisingly enjoyable, especially after the weird blend of coming-of-age Yakuza uh, crime drama that was Dead or Alive 2, Birds, so... I'm not going to ruin it too. I'm not going to ruin that one too much for you because I think it's great with some good surprises in it. But yeah, that's a it's one worth checking out, and you can check it out on Arrow Player as well. Yes, I, I got it on the I got it on the um I got it on the box set. I just haven't ever got around to watching it. That's weird. You buy a box set and you just like watch two films. Ah, yeah, well, that's me. It's weird. Do I buy? 350 other movies and I've never got around to watching them either <laughs> I'm still curious you, know, you said you watched a Godzilla movie the other day that you wanted to talk about but you haven't told me what it is yet so did I no. not so we've got to record another episode just to find out which one it is and... yeah we did it was um. yeah we did Yeah, we did. we did. we've done it on a show okay. mate you obviously haven't edited it yet it's um. it's the one with you know, the, the, oh, Abira. the all night dancing competition. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, next up, we had another first time watch, and that was Lesson of Evil. Oh, you hadn't seen it before? No, I've not seen this before. This is in 2012. Um, I was all set to watch this on, on uh, Sky Movies because I had credit with them, and of course, they took it off <laughs> the day I come to look at it. Cheers, that guys. Um, this one stars the ridiculously handsome Hideki Ito. It's like, I, it, that's all I can say about it. It's just, he is so insanely handsome. He could be like a... And he's, he's, yeah, and, 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 and incredibly charismatic. Yeah. And utterly, perfectly cast for this film. I love this film. I think some people might think it a little bit... <laughs> Routine. <laughs> okay, another um, word I was gonna go with. But... Do, do, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's um it's in the world of Kanako area, but I like it way more than that. I and I think it I think it's because of him. I think I think you're right. I mean, man crush aside, he's just insanely charismatic and believable, and his character is both magnetic and repulsive in it, and. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's another one. It's it's you know it's got a similar. It's it's like Takashi Miike's version of Cure. Do you remember Cure with the? Um, okay. Yeah, with with the with the with the 
with the guy that can just make people kill themselves. I just, um, I, don't know, don't... I keep rep- comparing it to American Psycho myself. It's sort of like, uh, or yeah, it's got, it's just got that, it's got that. Welcome to the mind of a psychopath. Because, yeah. um... but but we might not be too critical of him. <laughs> That's the thing, because he apparently plays Suzumi, who's an English teacher at this school, which is packed with its problems, because, of course, this is Japanese cinema, and Japanese schools are always packed with problems. Um, and he basically starts off, and, you know, he's there trying to help the students. He wants to solve problems in the school. Like, he wants to stop cheating in tests, because students using the mobile phones so he comes up with a plan to block mobile phone signals he finds out that a female student is being blackmailed by the gym teacher so uh forms a plot to get him back and um at the same time there's a string of very unusual suicides that are happening in the local town of course he is responsible for the majority of this because he's also a full-blown psychopath yeah, you just think you think he's like a nice guy. Oh yeah, he ruffles then, the girl's hair and yeah, and then and then it turns out that yeah, he's he's not just a psychopath. I mean, he's a career lifelong nutjob. <laughs> yeah, they um, don't use the word psychopath. They call him a sociopath because he's incapable of understanding people's pain. Um, mm. But yet he approaches his work with such a flair. Because his whole MO is that he makes his kills look like the suicides. So there's a, a teacher who's uh, surrounded his house with um, bottles of water to keep all the cats away. And he's uh, secretly been replacing them with kerosene. So knowing this teacher smokes outside and the cast his butts aside, uh, basically sets up this huge wall of fire to toast him alive. Um, but yeah, there's some really creative uh, kills throughout including a flashback to where he teams up with a fellow killer and uh, forms a bizarre mentorship, which includes the pair carrying buckets of blood and offal, uh, before we build to an absolutely jaw-dropping finale that um, goes on a bit and is unrelenting as all hell and also features a Cronenberg-esque shotgun that talks to him. Yeah, it goes very Mike. but no i love that but i think it's a bit of a um again got a release over here a bit of a a bit of a i don't know i i i really i think it's one of the best things he's done in the last 10 years personally i love it um but at the same time it doesn't feel i don't know did it feel very Mikey to you? <laughs> it certainly did by the time we get to the finale, but I think it's also because yeah, of this period of Mikey films. It feels very much in line with his mainstream period of films. And I think uh, the reason it got past the censors, especially here in the UK, because I thought this one would never get past, but I think he's earned the sort of leeway that Tarantino has is that people know what to expect with Mikey. And mm. it allows him to get away with things like the finale that we have here um but it's the fact that this was shown in the states which i believe it has it has been done it just blows my mind again because i mean it just feels that it falls into that same problematic area that battle royale did although this is a little more literal in where the issues lie um because the ending the finale just it constantly plays against your expectations you think that it's going to go one way you think there's going to be like 
a character is going to step up to the hero plate, but they don't. They screw it up, and yeah, it's um, it's very full on. But as I said, this is nothing short of a very memorable experience with an incredible, memorable performance uh, by its leading man. Excellent. Um, that's two. That's two great films. What's next? Oh, three great films. Well, I don't know. Two that I've seen that are great, and one okay. that I'm taking all. And one, and one I, 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 can't, I can't judge. Right. Uh, next, we took a real dive as we checked out Ley Lines from 1999. Uh, this is the final part of the Black Society trilogy. And it's interesting, really, because 1999, Mike breaks out with Audition. He launches a new trilogy with Dead or Alive 1. And here he's wrapping up Black Society trilogy with Ley Lines, which is about a trio of... Um, trio of boys from the country coming to the city and basically getting caught up on the wrong side of uh, of one of the local uh, Yakuza bosses as they're in the city and they're running basically uh, they, they're running, they're selling bottles of uh, Tolering which is I guess is their version of Poppers um, and at the same time, they form this unique family unit uh, with this prostitute called Anita, who has the wonderful nickname of Killer Pussy. And the, it's funny with the Black Society is you have this reoccurring theme of very unique family units. We saw it in Rainy Dog. Uh, we see elements in Shinjuku Tribe Society. And yeah, this one's... It's very plodding, I found the pacing. And yeah, there's a couple of action beats towards the end, but... There's just nothing that really sort of grasp onto. Um, there's some, yeah, you have the charming sort of family dynamic and the characters are all likable enough, but it also has that Mike weirdness of the outlaw period, such as like there's a sweaty sex scene where like this girl feels looks like she's been like having a bucket of water poured over her. Um, and also we get the return of you know the squiggly lines in place of people's uh, genitals. <laughs> Does that is that what makes it a uh, trilogy? <laughs> a squiggly lines trilogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't go as hard as Shinjuku Tribe Society, but it's not as good as Rainy Dog, which still remains the standout of this trilogy. So, so yeah, that was um, a low point, and probably because of that, and you know, get things back on track, and also because I saw a screenshot of. The two lead characters pointing shotguns at each other. It's a adaptation of Stephen's favorite video game series, Yakuza. Um, ah, you, you saw like a I dragon. did watch like a dragon. <laughs> what a fun joint this is! <laughs> well done for finding that. It's on the tube of you. <laughs> on the tube of yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is my favourite video games. <laughs> I don't know why. Modern, you wander around I and know. just play mini games. Nothing really happens. And when something does oh, happen, I mean, it's you watching the screen for 20 minutes. I, I love all those games. I like the um, Fist of the North Star one, which is the same engine. And I like, um, I've got, it's, it's done even with, they've, got, they've got one judgment uh, where you've got, it's even you don't even beat people up anymore. You just take photos of them. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I don't know why. There is something about it. I think, I think I like just running around these, these, these quite real, well realized bits of Japan 
and the fact that it's really just a 3D um, beat 'em up in the in the in the in the feel of like Streets of Rage or something like that. It just happens to be in 3D, and then there's these ridiculous accuser stories, and it's just made. You know, when I found out that he had done a version of the first game, I was like. Yeah, this this has to be made. I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed with what came okay. out. But but you've pl- have you played the game? Yeah, yeah. Played I played the I played, right? the, I played um, the remake of the first game, and I played a yeah. bit of Yakuza Zero, and I played Yakuza yeah. Like a Dragon, which is the RPG version. That's the latest. And um, I've yeah. just like I said, it just feels that nothing's happening. I'm just also I want to know. Why is a, a big, like, gruff Yakuza boss so into slot car racing? Like, <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think, I think that, that there are a lot of wonderful moments like that in the game. But it's it's like it's like like the wacky Japanese. I mean, Mika is the perfect director for 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 a, a Yakuza film. So this this film basically sort of tells the story of the first game. Um, and by the way, playing the remake is way better than playing the originals. <laughs> Oh my god! The originals. Um, I think it's a PS2 yeah, the original yeah. couple of games, and it tank controls. Do I need to say more? It sounds about right. Like the original Resident Evil. Yeah, it's. I mean, the the, the PlayStation Three era got some funny old graphics, but those, those remakes they, they they remade Yakuza One and Two with the same engine of Yakuza Zero, and they're excellent. I mean, Yakuza Two, you get the bit. I wish we came to a version of this. You basically you you there's a villain that you're fighting and and there's a whole kind of i think you go to his castle or something and you go up and you fight a load of thugs in one level and next level and then you meet him and you have a little knockabout and then he just lets a tie two tigers loose on him (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like where the fuck has that come from and spoilers at the end they sort of agree to be mates um (laughs) and then there's a spin-off game where zombies have attacked and there's other spin-off games which are set in Edo era Japan with uh, with his ancestors. Wonderful, but yes, back to this film. To be fair, he plays it pretty straight, and some and and everyone looks and acts like the characters they're meant to be. Oh yeah, the um... everyone Goro is is perfectly cast. Yeah, Goro uh, Kishitani as uh, Majima is mm. it is like someone put up like a side by side comparison, and it is. The exact uh, comparison. I have to say that uh, Kazuki Kiramari is a less gruff version of Kira, uh, Kairu. Because Kairu yeah. is like, it's just like really gruff. And it, it's really tough the fact that he's there helping this small child find her mother. And he's so gruff. He, he seems like he doesn't want anything to do with anyone. And yet, it's like, oh, let's go and play slot cars. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the only thing that really appealed yeah. to me about uh, Yakuza 0, and I never got to do it, was the hostess in minigame. Yeah, that's in a few of them. So I think that appeared <laughs> in three or four. Uh, to be honest with you, I bombed through them on the whole, doing trying just to get the main story done with a couple of sidelines then I go and then eventually I go to the arcade and play a game of um oh god there's a couple of Space Harry or something, isn't it? It's not Space Harry, but it's in that era. It's say it's a Sega no. game, so there's lots of fun Sega franchises and and stuff in there like and, and also I think um but oh yeah Virtua Fighters which is a Sega franchise, wasn't it? That's the, I'm currently playing 
Yakuza 4. And, um, Is this the one at yeah. the orphanage where you have to like? No, that's three. Oh my god, Yakuza Three is dreadful. <laughs> it's, you spend a good a third of the game looking after the kids in the orphanage because that's a, the courier is is is, is, just, is this like you say is this big gruff Yakuza plays everything by the rules, but he also loves children, and you know, he tries to retire and run a orphanage. And you spend a long time just fussing over these fucking entitled little brats. And then eventually you get to the game and it all gets a bit exciting. And then just before the end, the final thing is, you've got to go home because one of the kids has wet their pants or something. It's just... It, but it's all part of the Kyrian mythos. And there's whole Reddit group dedicated to just screenshots of him. <laughs> It's uh, he's quite a character, but not that huge. The Yakuza games are not that huge in the West. Um, they've had like a recent. I say, yeah, they've 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 um, been gaining popularity. I would say, mm. um, much like Virtual Pros, it's got this real cult following to it. Um, that people people will either like just obsess with it, or they just don't get it. Um, I think the fact that the Yakuza games all on the Game Pass really helped boost its popularity as well. Mm. So. Well, of course, yes, it got on the Xbox, didn't yeah. it? Um, which, you know, whereas previously it had been a Sony exclusive. Um, so, yeah, get, like you say, getting it on the Game Pass on the Xbox has really helped it. I mean, to be honest with you, stick with the remakes and 6 and 0. Uh, going back to play the old PS3 games and now is... It's just not as fun. The engine, the Dragon engine that they invented for... Yakuza 6 or 0 0 I think 0 comes before 6 doesn't it just makes the whole thing much more last generation rather than 15 generations ago anyway yeah. yes it's, it's an okay film um, luckily you don't need to actually you know anything it. about the Yakuza games to enjoy no. this which is a real plus um, although I have to say that yeah if you're a Yakuza fan there's, a, there's some fan service in there and what we really essentially have here, because as you said already, I mean, Mike's done video game adaptations before with like Ace Attorney, and he's done a lot of Yakuza movies. So this is like a real perfect marriage of a, a movie. And the end result is really just a pop Yakuza movie. As we have four different plot lines going on, we've got a pair of bank robbers who have got a completely different name in Japanese than they do in the uh, sub version I saw, where I think that they're yep. called Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Uh, we also have like the the couple who I think have stumbled out of a one K one movie, um, who are going around uh, doing carrying out a series of um, snatch and grabs. Oh yes. I mean, again, the, but these are these are all grabbed from the game. These are all subplots in the game. And and he's he's. I mean, yeah. It's like you said. We, exactly what you said. Like the like the Ace Attorney movie, he just absorbs what's in the game. Doesn't you know how many times have we seen had adaptations of computer games that have missed the point? That have tried to change. Too yeah, much? it's because they often try to put video games into reality. Well, Mike's approach mm. is to put reality into video games. So like you mm. said, when we look at Ace Attorney, every single character looks like they do in the video game. 
and he's just like puts it in he somehow manages to find a way to ground it so you can accept the fact that you're having evidence and guilty verdicts like appearing in huge letters above um above the juries and that so with uh yakuza or sorry like a dragon um he just really sort of taps into that so we get like brawls in the in the supermarket we get mass brawls on the street with um uh mate with the eye patch um goro like goro yeah uh, what's his Majima. surname? I can't remember his surname. Majima. Who's yeah. um, him and his baseball bat-wielding goons, um, where he says lines like, everybody's going to get a home run tonight. I mean, he is the best character in the um, games. And, uh, when you finally get to play him in yeah. Zero, it is quite a joy. But, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also get a chopper fireball reminiscent to Die Hard, which yep. um, will over Exploding Helicopter is really excited about because I think it's like his 607th Exploding Helicopter is chart- charting now, so <laughs> happy to help. But uh, no, and again, it was one that when we were like, talking about it over in uh, the groups, like Agents of uh, Takeout and Gemma's Guide to Midnight Cinema, it was all like, you could tell who the Yakuza fanboys were, like, when he has the energy drink at the end, it's all like, ah, oh, classic Yakuza. Too bloody right. Too bloody right. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's not. It's no. It's it's not in Mickey's top seventy films. To be honest, with really, you. I'll put this right. Pretty high. I loved it. I I I didn't. I I didn't really get on with it, but I appreciated it for his. I have to say this because I've talked about it on the show, and I think I've said pretty much that that it's 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 fine. It's fine, but anybody else who had done it, it would have been terrible. If that makes yeah. sense, and, and um, yeah, I, 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 I'd love to see him doing a take on one of the more, you know, if he looks at Yakuza Four, there's four separate storylines in there with four separate leads. It probably leads itself to more of a cinematic story rather than one night in um, in town, which is what Like a Dragon is. But hey ho, it's well done for finding it. Well done YouTube for for hosting it. Mm. <laughs> Um, then rounding off the final film, I checked out the Great Yokai War from 2005. Um, the latest, he's actually followed this up with the Great Yokai War Guardians, which just recently premiered at Fantasia Fest. Mm. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is um, Mike essentially reviving the Yokai Monsters trilogy, um, which was way back in 1968. And if you've got Arrow Player, they're actually being added onto uh, the service as of the 8th. So you'll be able to check them all out on there. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Yokai movies, think Nightbreed, but for kids. The Clive Barker yeah. thing. That's, you know, that's, that's exact. So I, I, I watched this tonight. So I, I, I have to review. So not only is it in the Arrow Player, but they're doing one of them box set so i i i'm i freezing cakes i've picked up the review of the bk movie and other people are reviewing the other films and obviously as you know mr brooks has, has reviewed it for blueprint yeah, of course he has and he's got the connections we don't yeah. have well well i've got the same connections because i've got the stuff as well it just i didn't have to review them <laughs> all anyway i watched it tonight and um the first thing came to my head i, I knew i knew that you'd watched it for this and I was thinking how how to talk about this, and 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 Clive Barker's Nightbreed was the first thing that came to my head, 
Um, if you are a Asian cinema fan, you might know the Kataro movies, or indeed anime and manga, which is self-referenced in this film as well. But there's there's a couple of films about like 2006, 2007, um, Kataro and Kataro and the Millennium Curse, which are also yokai based movies with a bit of a kid friendly wink wink nudge nudge but maybe a little bit for adults as well (laughs) but this one it certainly starts in quite a dark place and i was thinking is let me let me roll back a bit i'd never seen great yokai war before and and i wasn't even it never been released in the uk I think you found it again on the U of the Tube. Uh, no, the great, the great Yokai watch, the original Yokai movies, I got way back in the day. I mean, this is like 10 of uh, ten of 2000, back when uh, yellowcinema.com was a thing. <gasps> yeah, right, say no more. I have some Yellow Cinema downloads still, but yes. Um, which used to be like the go-to place if you wanted to... Mm to find stuff because there's a lot of stuff over there a lot of like k-dramas and stuff before like youtube not youtube um netflix uh started like importing all this this sort of thing it was like where you could go and 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 find some really obscure stuff like mr and mrs player my neighbor's a sniper essentially all all of the deep dives if you didn't have the connections um to sort of like find someone who could bootleg stuff for you this was a really great place to go um and uh yeah they used to host a lot of of different uh, movies and stuff and that's why i originally saw them because i you know i saw it and i drew like the kaiju uh comparison there because you know it's weird monsters and uh that's it's basically the yokai are just that they're spirits but not in like the traditional sort of western ghost sort of style they're very odd in their appearance and I mean, Mickey himself hasn't actually really ventured much into doing family fair, so I think this is as close as he's he's come in a while. And when we say that, it's sort of like the same way that Dark Crystal is family fair. Um, yeah. There's bits of this which Sorry. really go hard, and then other bits <laughs> which are like kind of uh, child friendly. I think I think I think it just it just starts in quite a dark place. I think it's quite scary. Some of the initial monsters are pretty scary. Um, but then I was, re- you know, as, as David said in his review, this is this is from the same, you know, think think about things like the Goonies, like you said, like the Dark Crystal, like Labyrinth, like... Um, the Storyteller. Oh, uh, yes, there's, there's a back John Hurt stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which would mean nothing to nobody until I get our other show off the road. But... <laughs> John Hurt is yeah, a big deal I, I, for us right now. So, <laughs> but I think what it is 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 that kids are actually quite resilient and they quite like disgusting shit like this, and they quite like because because then you know they might have a toy or something like that. And and after you get through these initial quite scary bits, it becomes incredibly comedic, and. To the point where one of them says, "What can I do? I'm just an umbrella." <laughs> <laughs> to be upstaged by another one that says, "Well, don't ask me. I'm just a wall." Because these yokai are uh, so. Japan is a is a is a country without a, any sort of kind of mono, monotheistic religion. As hard as the 
Portuguese tried, Christianity never took, or Catholicism, Christianity never took shape here, despite the fact it's in the, uh, let's call it the Oriental half of the world as opposed to the Occidental. Um, Islam never took any kind of, they, they have a religion called Shinto, but it's not really a religion in the way that we would understand it. And they just have this concept of spirits, of you know, there's a shrine on every street, street corner, and everything, every sort of thing that happens is explained by this, by, by, by a spirit. And we see it in things like Spirited Away and Totoro, and those kind of movies are full of these characters and they're all defined and the guy the guy who's actually in this film basically named them as part of his Kitaro manga and 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 they actually spend time in within this film explaining that he did this it's a really weird thing but there's some of them some of them are really scary so some of them are familiar to us so things like the kappa we'll see in other films which is sort of like a turtle demon and have you ever seen the film underwater love no i have not right well when we go to underwater love you'll know what a kappa's penis looks like um there are clearly allusions to characters there's the snow woman from um Kwaidan is yeah. in this um who, who also bears a passing resemblance to Sadako from the Ring movies and we'll get um, th- there's other characters just which we will see in other films or in other stories and he sort of kind of brings them all together and what I will say spoilers for the the, the, the sequel he's done 16 years later Digimon appears <laughs> in in it and, and, and he's almost using it as a kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen idea where all these characters from all sorts of films and media and anime he brings together as a kind of group to save the world but yes coming back to this one it it, they start off scary then you meet like a gang who are familiar i guess to us and then you just meet the wackiest things and then it just goes on from there and it's i was i was all over the place with this film because first off i thought this is a bit. This is this is a bit scary. And then I thought, well, this is fucking nonsense. And then in the second hour, mate, I was totally invested in it. <laughs> but it's back to my original point: is I always used to read about this film, and it would always be like a footnote, like saying, "This is the film where Mike stopped um, doing his his Mike films and started doing work for hire and became a, a mainstream director." And or it would get down with faint praise, like, "Oh, and then he did." The Great Yokai War kids film, and it would it'd always be like a, a footnote or a joining thing. Do you know what I mean? It never really got any credit, and for some reason, Arrow have decided to. Is it Arrow? Yeah, Arrow, Arrow. have decided to release, like you say, the three old Yokai War films and this one. In, I guessing because his new film is out now and it's a sequel to this. Why they wait? Didn't wait to put that on the box set as well I don't know it's really obscure I think in some ways but now I've seen it I really regret not seeing it before um did you enjoy it it's okay I think it suffers because it's obviously 
walks that line between the two worlds really um where you've got this small child who plays the kieran rider who's going to be essentially the champion of all good going up against kato who's a malevolent spirit who's corrupting uh yokai spirits and combining them with uh basically scrap to form his army of uh of spirits as um he basically uh t- gains uh all his power from all the trash we've had so he's part ghost part womble and um yeah i mean there's some fun action beats in there it goes a little too comedic by the time we get into the finale so it loses some of its edge there but there's some nice visual moments in it and certainly from that stance it's uh, an interesting movie so um yeah and it was also weird watching a and... dubbed Mike movie i have to say yeah, I watched the first half. You sent me the link on YouTube, and <laughs> I watched the first half on YouTube and watched the second half on the on the review copy I had with subtitles. I tell you, much better. <laughs> it's it's much less weird with subtitles, and of course, you did notice a a guest starring role from an actress that we've talked a lot about, um, Sharky Kuriyama from Battle Royale and Kill Bill, is the the, the, the human-shaped yokai demon who's betraying her kind. Oh, the white-haired in a, uh, girl. In, ve- in a very fetching white wig and a terribly scary amount of fan service going on every time she bent over. It was... Yeah, again, I was, that, that was that was a bit the first bit we thought. I didn't really need to see her buttocks. This is a kid's film. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't know she was in this. And I sort of recognised her face... But with that white-haired wig thing, it was a bit hard to recognise her. But she was pretty cool in it as well. And the kid's pretty... The kid's all right. It's not It's not one of the greatest child actors, I don't think. But, you know, we, see, we meet a lot of great child actors in, in Asian cinema, and this kid is okay. Um, I did enjoy the little subtext that comes up when they launch across the sky, and it's, don't try this at home, kids. There's there's so much of stuff like that. It's like um, like when when this giant city monster comes to attack Tokyo. Um, it's Goemon. No, it's not. It's Gamera. And and yeah, and and then that brilliant bit where this, as you say, with the river river princess Yokai says, "I know how we can get there faster." They're hanging onto the wings of a jumbo jet, and geniusly they're getting freezing cold because obviously it's going 600 miles a fucking hour in them in no atmosphere <laughs> and they're frozen solids but yeah you like said so the film just stops and says don't try this at home kids but and th- yeah there's some there's some really nice sort of meta stuff going on in it as well especially in the second half um which does make it it does feel like two movies to me it feels like this the everything changes once um you know like once the sword gets smashed in yeah. half it or, or basically when we meet the kappa it suddenly turns into a comedy film whereas before it was quite scary i mean i there, there are things i don't even know i'm gonna have to watch it again when i write my review because somebody got kidnapped and i'm not even sure who it was and oh, oh and of course the special effects so there are some really nice practical costume effects there is a terrible one of the main characters is a hand puppet. 
that that barely animates and is mostly worn as a hat but it's still adorable and then there's some weird cg that doesn't really hold up today it looked all right on youtube at 360p but um yeah like and and, and but it's oh, oh yeah. and there's, there's one doesn't like that riffs on the t1000 and there's there's one that uh, there's a bit where they they're gonna say and now a giant <laughs> a giant boulder's gonna follow you down this tunnel and they go Indiana what oh yeah when he's like talking when he's on the bridge and he's sort of like oh you think you're all safe and then it falls down and then we'll pull you up <laughs> but yeah there's, there's, there's this weird both meta and both really self-aware things and postmodern things going on in it but is it is it wholly successful? Probably not. But what a weird again. Why sixteen years later is he doing a sequel? Though by all accounts, it's great. Why so, why does Mike like constantly make movies and then never make sequels to them? Well, we're still hoping for us the gods will. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. If we had to got which I have been which I've been telling all my friends this week because now they're all watching Squid Game. I've been telling them all. It's a rip-off of <laughs> this other thing. Whatever they say, it's a rip-off. But, yeah, they're all enjoying it. So, again, good news. But there you go, 30 days. I know. 30 movies, never to be done again. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is broken. My body is weak. Show me to my throne. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was a fun experience. So, um, What was your... um? So what, what was? Did you did you find anything new? Oh, we obviously oh, found a lot of new things. I mean, as I said, it's but good, but new and good, new and good. Yeah, um, there's definitely some some fun finds in here, like you know the Crow Zero movies, for example. Getting to mm. cross off things like the Happiness of the Categories and um, for Love's Sake, which you've talked about, I think, pretty much since yeah. we started this podcast. Um, yeah, and 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 clearly tonight, you know, you, you found you finally got to watch Visitor Q and saw it for the glory that exactly, it was, which is a, and which is a film that I was thinking of bringing to the show, and then I just thought, how can we talk about <laughs> this? <laughs> it's uh, it's one that's best someone gives you the outline of, and then you experience mm. yourself. But I think we've, I think as I said, I think we've. We've done alright for that one tonight, but then you obviously get to like reassess things like Shield of Straw, which everyone booed at Cannes because as uh, we we quote on the article, people <laughs> seem to think the booing of the movie and the image will change something. You know, things like Terraformers, which you probably never watched otherwise. And then like Blade the Immortal, which is like a first time watch this year and absolutely fantastic. And then obviously you have like lows, as you, I think you're always going to do with these things. And you watch things like um, City of Lost Souls or Graveyard of Honor, which are just like real rough patches to to get through. Um, but yeah, it's. It... I mean, I think you've got. I think you've still got. I think there's an, at least another twenty you could do that would be available to you in the UK if you want. I'm so happy that you tell me these <laughs> things too. Yeah, once we got to the end of the list, of course you realise that because this has been done on a day-by-day basis based on like mood and what we could get hold of uh if we had obviously planned this out i think we would have hit some titles that we've missed off i mean we didn't cover full metal yakuza we didn't do gozu we didn't do ishii the killer we didn't do bird people in china which was uh 
one of the ones that I was yeah, like, I thought you were gonna, I, yeah, I thought you were gonna, yeah, do I had it all set up, ready to go, and just I think because I saw like a dragon instead, I was like, it's like, oh, I just want to watch that one instead. Um, and yeah, I think obviously having the availability on things platforms such as Arrowplay does make help sort of just that instant availability of titles mm. certainly shifts it, but. There's uh, obviously now you've lot of highlighted that those are the movies that you wanted us to see. I mean, we will obviously cover them at some point in some form. Um, so, yeah, thank you for highlighting that. You know, we raised some money for Miles and Meltdowns, which was great. And if you Thanks. if you want to donate, you can do for our Just Gaming page, which is in the uh, description. So um, you can send help us uh, support them, which has been was. Uh, a fun byproduct of this, other than you know, people have been talking about Mickey movies, they've been talking about Asian cinema, which is always good. I think whenever we can sort of add to the conversation and get people to go, Oh, you know, there's a few Mickey movies I haven't seen, or I haven't seen this one, and this sounded really good, then you know, we're doing our job here. Um, the same way that if you guys out there, if you've got a podcast on asian cinema or you're in a group that talks about asian cinema let us know where it is we'd really like to go and check them out because that's what we need to be about we want to be building community rather than just like trying to be top of the pile um and you know there are a few like places we hang out and talk about asian cinema already like you know gentleman's guide to midnight cinema we've got a great group on facebook they have a great podcast as well uh asian cinema takeouts another great uh facebook group as well and there's a number of people that we follow on Twitter as well who post, like, reviews and stuff. So if you're a Twitter reviewer, let us know as well, and we'll uh, make sure we add you to our full list. And I have no idea what Studio Cat is up to there, but my table is vibrating like crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's another thing we're taking away from it. It's just a revival of uh, drive to, like, just get these movies uh, discussed, so... But uh, yeah, next next challenge now, isn't it? It's, uh, for myself, it's on to Hoptober. So that'll be over at uh, my other podcast, Movies and Tea, with myself and Kim. Uh, I'm going to be looking at 31 horror movies as the lead up to Halloween, as we like to do every year. And Stephen, I know you've been talking about doing something based around school movies or something. Yeah, we we had a talk the other day, didn't we? Um, you mentioned mentioned a couple of movies. Uh, well, when you were talking about the um crows yeah. movies, and I and I, I thought, oh, you know, the, the you could easily do thirty Asian films set in schools, and they wouldn't all be horror movies. No, no, no. no. There'd be comedies, and there'd be dramas, <laughs> and yes, I I don't know when I'll do it. It'll maybe February, so I can only have to do twenty eight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obviously, like, there's a whole bunch of movies just based around school clubs, like Sumo Can, Sumo Can't. Mm. Um, th- those sorts of, like, fun movies. You can do, like, the Pinky Violence movies um, as well. There's a whole bunch of those set based on, like, super psychotic schoolgirls. And... And, and, as, and as I found out this week, thanks to one of our other, um, well, Colette from um, Bayman from... Um... Eastern Kicks. There's a sixth whispering um, corridors movie. <laughs> I had neither of us had any idea about. <laughs> so that's 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 a that's nearly a week <laughs> of school schoolgirl get based horror. But no, I'd, I'd like you know three, there's three fight back to school movies. Yeah, that's right, so yeah. Um, there's Friends, the Korean. Um, there's, there's quite a few Korean. You've got films Blue Spring, or, which everyone keeps talking yeah. about. 
Yeah, so uh, The Silence, which is a weird... Is it The Silence or The Silence? I can't remember, but it's, it's like a weird Korean... It, feels, it starts off as a drama set in Japan-occupied Korea, and then all the characters suddenly have superpowers. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very strange science... It turns into a very strange science fiction film. But yes, lots... Lots of potential there. I might, I might do that when I um, I've got, I've got, I've got another project to start moving first, and then uh, I'll, 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 I'll follow your lead, mate, and we'll do this another month of school movies, Asian school movies, and I'll do my homework. It is, it is. It's just like now sitting there thinking, about it, it's like yeah, there's quite a range you could do. We'll see what mm. we come up with. Um, but yeah, this is uh, obviously the end of Takashi Miike Month. We hope you've enjoyed these um, weekly recaps. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed the picks that we've obviously covered over the course of the last 30 days. And uh, yeah, thank you uh, as well for listening. If you haven't done already, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Come and say hi. Our Facebook group in, page in particular, we have a good... Uh, group on there lots of uh, fun interactions we post things pretty much every day uh not just uh, related films but also pop culture as well and uh, you can check out our blog asian cinema film club dot uh where we have the f- we got the film vault we got the anime vault we got dark side of asian cinema we got a whole archive of episodes we even got a battle royale breakdown chapter by chapter which you can find on this feed as well just look for the episodes mark battle royale podcast um, and you can check all those out as well. But um, until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you to my co-host, Stephen. And we will be back very soon with something new and exciting. But until then, good night.